Welcome into the Bear Down Podcast. I'm Chris Black along with Adam Abdallah. You can hear our show weeknights from 6 to 8 right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. On today's edition of the Bear Down Podcast, we talk about the NFL draft with Jordan Reed from ESPN. You can follow him on Twitter at Jordan underscore Reed. He's one of the very best at breaking down the NFL draft. And we start the conversation talking about the Bears in our conversations about the Bears heading into the second round where they find their first pick at 39. We know the Bears have a lot of needs coming into the draft, wide receiver, and then also the offensive line. So we started the conversation with Jordan talking about if the Bears go offensive line with their first pick, number 39 overall, who are some of the players that you see on your board that could be available for the Bears in the second round? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different directions that they actually could go with that second-round pick, and I'm looking forward to seeing what Ryan Poles does just because he's been kind of quiet in free agency. He's been very hesitant as far as who he wants to add, and it seems like he wants to build this team through the draft. And I think that's the proper way to go, especially with the roster that is so far away. So there's a lot of different guys that they could look to target in that second-round range. And then some names that I do like is Dylan Parham from Memphis is one name that I think they could go. Now, second round is a little bit too early for him, but they could look to target him somewhere on the latter portions of day two. Jamar Sawyer is another name that I would keep an eye on. But if we're looking strictly at offensive tackles, I think there's a lot of different directions that they could go. But one name that I think he really will like a lot is Tyler Smith from Tulsa. And he's getting some first-round buzz, but I think he's probably going to end up going in the second round just because of how raw he is right now. And when you look at the wide receiver position, you've got a bunch of wide receivers going in the second round, or at least having second round grades. Is there value in taking a wide receiver with their second pick in the second round? Or maybe if they choose to go offensive line or, or corner in the second round, maybe they, uh, they get a wide receiver in the third round as well. Yeah, I think wide receiver definitely could be a viable spot for if they want to take one there, just because outside of Darnell Moody, they don't really have a lot of weapons on this offense right now. I know they bought over Equinemius St. Brown, Byron Pringle as well, as well, but they just need some more game-breaking players on the perimeter. And if you think about the second round in years past, that's really been the sweet spot of where we've seen a lot of wide receivers step in and be contributors, whether it was Terry McLaurin or DK Metcalf, the list goes on and on. Debo Samuel is another that we've seen step in being second-round picks and being instant-impact type of contributors. And there's a list of names that I think could go in the second round if that's a direction of where the Bears want to attack as far as adding to the roster. Christian Watson from North Dakota State is a name to keep an eye on. George Pickens of Georgia. Then also Scott Moore from Western Michigan. I think those are your three top guys as far as being potential second-round picks that would be good fits on the Bears roster. I thought Sky Moore was an interesting name. He had a lot of catches last year in college football at, at Western Michigan. Uh, what, what do you see on tape when you see Sky Moore? What, what impresses you about his tape? Well, he just understands how to get open, and that's something that is very rare, especially as far as being a young wide receiver, just because a lot of times in college, these up-tempo, fast-paced offenses, they're just trying to get the ball in these wide receivers' hands as quickly as possible. But with Sky Moore, he pretty much was the only option on that offense. Everybody in the stadium knew that the ball was going to come into his hands. They're going to try to force-feed him. But these defenses, whatever they did, they just did not scheme things up to be able to stop him. So I think just understanding how to get open, being able to generate separation, and then also having very strong hands. I thought he was one of the best combine performers overall as far as the the on-the-field workouts. He caught everything in his direction. One guy who you've got a grade on for round two or three is John Mechie, the wide receiver out of Alabama. How much has he fallen because of the torn ACL? 
it's probably one round just because the the ACL is so fresh. And what I mean by so fresh is that he's probably not going to be ready probably to the midway of the tail end of his rookie season. But as far as what he brings, I think he could be a very valuable second wide receiver on the depth chart. I don't ever see him turning into a bona fide wide receiver one. But as far as somebody that can be a really good complement to a dominant number one wide receiver or that top guy on the depth chart, I think he definitely could turn into that eventually. You know, another name that you mentioned in the group of wide receivers that possibly could be available for the Chicago Bears in the second round, George Pickens from Georgia. What do you see from Pickens on tape? Well, he's one that is really, really intriguing. One of the younger prospects overall in this draft class just turned 21 years old in March around the combine. But with Pickens, he tore the ACL last March during spring practices, came back and played in four games this past season, and he made big-time catches in all of those games that he did contribute in. He's had that above-the-rim mentality, has that slender build, but he plays much stronger than what his body does indicate. Played in a bit of a conservative offense at Georgia that really revolves around the running game, so we really weren't able to see the totality of his skill set as a whole, and I think there's much more to unpack with him on the next level. You mentioned a couple offensive linemen, and then a couple of these mock drafts have the Bears taking a corner. A couple of them haven't taken the offensive linemen, a couple defensive end. Is it imperative for the Bears to get a wide receiver on the second day of the draft, or is it okay if they wait until later and maybe rounds four, five, or six? Yeah, I think they have to find one on day two, honestly, just because after day two, there's a bit of a drop-off at that point. Uh, that's why I said those three guys that I think they could target there, I think they would be great selections. Now, if they want to wait until the third round, Jalen Tolbert is somebody that they could target. Wanda Robinson, or even Alec Pierce from Cincinnati is a direction that they could go. Khalil Shakir from Boise State is another receiver that I like, too. But after that day, too, there's a bit of a precipitous drop-off after that point. Jordan Reed from ESPN previewing the NFL draft with Bluck and Abdallah here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN Chicago app. You know, we're talking about options for the Bears in the, in the second round at wide receiver. But if we go to the top of the board and we look at the first round, how high do you think the first wide receiver could go off the board in this year's NFL draft? I think it really starts with number eight overall with the Atlanta Falcons and with the Calvin Ridley situation. They just don't have anybody on the perimeter right now. Kyle Pitts was their do-it-all, everything target last year, but they need somebody that can take the workload off of his shoulders. He only had one touchdown a year ago, so that just goes to show you that all the attention was on Kyle Pitts, and they need somebody else that can open up that offense. So I think number eight overall to Atlanta is where the wide receiver run could start. Number 10 to the New York Jets is another area, 15 to the Philadelphia Eagles, and also 19 with the New Orleans Saints. And then obviously the two obvious selections of where a wide receiver could go is 22 or 28 with the Green Bay Packers. Speaking of the top of the draft, it seems like the Panthers are going to be the first team to take a quarterback, but you never know. GMs get itchy and they get desperate and someone might reach up before them and grab a quarterback. But is Malik Willis someone that is worthy of a first half of the draft uh, selection? Yeah, I think so. Uh, he's my current quarterback one. My first one overall has been that way for the past two or three months for me, just because when you think about the skill set as a whole from a mobility standpoint, the arm strength, and then just the upside and the potential, I think he has the best bundle of all of that. And everybody labels this class as underwhelming, and I agree somewhat, but we've been so spoiled with having really good quarterback classes over the past few years or so. But what's happened with this quarterback class is that nobody's jumped out as that consensus number one guy. And we've seen that over the past three years, whether it was Kyler Murray three years ago, 
in 2020 with Joe Burrow, and then obviously last year with Trevor Lawrence. None of these guys have done that. So there's a lot of guys that you like overall in this class, but there isn't one that you love. But if I had to choose one of where I would pick first, it would be Malik Willis. What's his skill set with Malik Willis that really impresses you? I think just I think when you're talking about just the arm strength and then just the upside that he displays, now he does need to improve the consistency. He had a string of bad games where he had three interceptions over a span of time in consecutive games. So that just goes to show you that he was playing a little bit of hero ball, but if you go back and watch his junior season film, I think that is where he played a little bit more easy, had a little bit more help on the perimeter, too. So I think it's just a culmination of him developing some really bad habits just because he had to do everything for that Liberty offense. But the year prior, too, I thought he looked a little bit more polished. And I think what I saw that year prior, too, I think that's more so of what he can turn into on the next level. Where's the drop-off at quarterback? Is it after Malik Willis? Like, how much of a gap is there between Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett? Or is it after Kenny Pickett when we get to, you know, Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral? Where does that, where do we see that cliff kind of end for the quarterback position this year? Well, that's the great thing. And the most intriguing thing was made my job really fun this year, just trying to figure out this quarterback class. And, and if you ask 10 different scouts around the league, they're probably going to have 10, 10 different orders as far as the top five guys in this draft class. And the top five that you hear about is Malik Willis of Liberty, Pittsburgh's Kenny Pickett, old Mrs. Matt Corral, Cincinnati's Desmond Ritter, and then also Sam Howell from North Carolina. I think those five will probably go somewhere within the first and the second round range or within the first two days of the draft. And then you're talking about Carson Strong from Nevada, who has a bunch of durability concerns with a knee. He's had three knee surgeries during his career, so there's going to be mixed opinions. And then there's probably going to be some teams that don't have him on their board at all just because of the knee concerns. But Bailey Zappi from Western Kentucky is probably the next one that would be off of the board probably in the third or fourth round range. But after Zappi, there's a bit of a drop-off, and you probably won't see the next quarterback go until probably the fifth or sixth round. Jordan, you know, we, we talk a lot of college football and a lot of NFL on the show, and, and we knew heading into last college football season, one of the names that was going to be rumored for the Heisman was Sam Howell. What happened to Howell last year at North Carolina? Well, with Sam, I just think it was he was just trying to do too much early on. And, I mean, it's understandable. You, you lose 97% of your offensive production on the perimeter. Then also in the backfield, he lost his two backfield weapons and. Uh, and Daz, excuse me, his two perimeter weapons, and Daz Newsom and Deami Brown, and then also Javante Williams and Michael Carter in the backfield. He had to take so much onus on his shoulders as far as what he could do, and then just the responsibilities in the offense. It was completely different for him. And if you go back and look at his rushing stats, he had 150 yards, career rushing yards in two years leading up to this year. This past season, he had over 800 total rushing yards, which just goes to show you that he had to put so much more on his plate as a rusher. It kind of it kind of hurt him a little bit as far as a passer, just because his body was banged up. He didn't really um, have a great feel in games, just because he had to put so much responsibilities on his shoulder as a rusher. He didn't. It, it kind of sacrificed his ability and development as a passer too. And then also plays in that QB friendly system, a bunch of RPOs over the, over the middle of the field. So he's been one of the harder quarterbacks to figure out, honestly, in this draft class. But I just think it was a combination of him just trying to do too much in the beginning. And then just trying to figure out exactly who he was throwing to with all these new weapons on the perimeter. You've got three defensive ends that the Jacksonville Jaguars might be choosing from Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau, and then Trayvon Walker. What's the biggest difference between those three guys and why should Jacksonville go with Aiden Hutchinson as you put in your mock draft last week? Well, just their advancements right now as far as pass rushers. Trayvon Walker has the least amount of experience as far as a true pass rusher. They played him primarily. 
at that five technique spot. So it's just on the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. And they just they just didn't allow him to pin his ears back and rush the passer. There's very few reps of where he's just pinning his ears back, showing a pass rush move and getting home to the quarterback. Only had nine and a half career sacks. But on the opposite end of the spectrum, you look at him as a run defender. I think he's by far the best run defender of all the defensive ends in this draft. So he's more so of a potential of a production type of selection. And then you mix in and you add in the athletic traits that he showed at the combine. Six foot five, two hundred and seventy-two pounds. Whenever you run a four-five-nine at that size, you're going to get a lot of attention from NFL scouts. So it's more so of just projecting of what he can be on the next level, as opposed to what he is in his current state. And then Kayvon Thibodeau. I mean, we've all heard of the outside interest that he does have, some of the off-the-field stuff that a lot of people have mixed opinions about. I mean, I don't have as far as any reservations about it or any negative viewpoints about that. The effort concerns I don't see on tape. I think he's the most talented of the bunch overall, and I think he has the most upside of the bunch, too. And I thought he made a big step last year as far as a pass rusher. And the big advancement or the big step that he made in his development is that he did what I like to call a lot of out-athleting the opposition. So he he relied a lot on his athletic upside and just his natural gifts a lot. You very rarely saw him putting moves together and having answers for the types of blocks that he that was trying to be executed against him from those blockers. So I think he's the most talented of the bunch, honestly. But as far as the cleanest of the bunch and who has the highest floor, that's why I went with Aiden Hutchinson. Him um, coming into last season, he had – they played in three games, excuse me. He hurt the ankle. He had surgery after his junior season. But he had the big bump up in production last year with 14 sacks. And then also, just his floor as a pass rusher, I think there's so much that goes into his resume. The character stacks up. But then also – the things that he brings to the table right away, I think he's going to be ready-made from day one. You know, we usually have these conversations before the draft, and the theme is, oh, look at the quarterbacks that will go in the first round. Uh, heading into this year's draft, what do you think the biggest theme will be? What, what's the thing that you hear the most from scouts? What do you think people are talking about the most heading into this year's draft? Oh, it's the edge rushers by far. Everybody is really excited about this edge rusher class. I think we could see as many as seven go in the first round, which would be a very, very high number. And there's so many different types in this class. And the seven that I think could go is Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Walker, who I talked about those three, Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State, George Carlottis of Purdue, Boye Mafe, and then also Arnold Ibiketti with David Ojabo being a wild card with his injury. So we could see as many as eight go in the first round. But I feel good about six or seven going on night one. So everybody's really excited about this edge rush class as a whole. You mentioned earlier how Ryan Poles has been kind of quiet. How do you feel like they've set up their offseason so far? Not spending a lot of money, not really bringing in a lot of help for Justin Fields. They still don't have a lot of draft picks, even though they they recouped some by trading Khalil Mack. How do you think they are set up going into next week's draft and essentially into next year also having just a ton of cap space that they can uh, be able to utilize? Well, I think he understands that this roster is a long-term rebuild, and he's not trying to overspend. He wants to trust the scouting department. He wants to trust his eye for talent as well, which he was able to show during his time in Kansas City and build the team from the ground up. And he got rid of a lot, a lot of talent uh, that the previous regime drafted or that they signed to long-term deals, and he wants to stamp his identity on this team. That's why I expect him to draft an offensive lineman very early him being an offensive line guy and leaving some holes along this offensive line, specifically at guard and then also center. I expect him to take an interior guy. They're probably going to take an offensive tackle, obviously, too. 
um, and pair him with Tevin Jenkins. So I think there's so many different ways that they could go in this draft class. Wide receiver is a huge need, and they have some needs on the defensive side too. So I just think he wants to trust his scouting department and also his eye for talent and just build this team the way he wants it to be built, which is stamping his identity and also bringing his players in to add to this roster. Fantastic information, Jordan. We always appreciate your time. Thank you so much, and we appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you, guys, as always.